welcome to another very special episode of Let Me Explain You a Thing. My name is Andrew, and this is the podcast where I talk extemporaneously on a subject I know a decent amount about, usually on my drive to work, although today I'm driving home. Yes, I am back in the car. I am back apologizing for road noise. Welcome back. All right, so today I thought I would explore a new topic to this podcast, Um, but one that I have a background stretching back years and decades, and that is, well, that is Pokemon. Um, My personal history with Pokemon, I, like so many children of the 90s, got super obsessed with the franchise. in, you know, right around, uh, probably, probably peaking, 1998 or so, um, but maintaining a pretty steady level of infatuation through to the early 2000s. Um, I played every, I I played a game from every generation up to Gen 4, um, And then around Gen 5, I was still very into Pokemon, but it all came to kind of a crashing end. And I'll I'll talk about that a little bit. Well, I'll talk about it now. Let's talk about it now. Um, Yeah, so... So, you know, big into Pokemon Gen 1, um, when it first hit these these shores um, in... 1997-8-ish. I remember, like, the ways that my uh, understanding of Pokemon, like, were before I started, like... Because, okay, I I collected the cards first. I was kind of aware of the anime, but I did not have a lot of background in it. It was kind of this mythical thing that, like, I always wanted to experience, but it, they ran it on TV. I kind of think my, my parents weren't, like, super keen on, on Pokemon. They were like, go read a book <laughs> or something. Um, eventually, I did start reading the Pokemon chapter books um, in, like, first or second grade. And I would kind of just, like, read them. I would get one. I would read it, like, in an evening, like just through to completion, um, one, one detail that shows, shows me how much I've grown is that I could probably read them a lot faster now, um, but, yeah, so I, I would, like, knock those books out in an evening, it was fun, though, um, and they were kind of just, like, novelizations, distillations of, uh, TV episodes. Sometimes, like, the books would be kind of like a clip show of various TV episodes. That was fun. Um, uh, so, like, I guess, generally, um, yeah, where do you even go? I, okay, so I, I collected the, the cards, um, and I, I played the card game, too. I didn't just collect. I knew a lot of kids in my class who were 
just liked, you know, catching them all, quote-unquote, with the cards, but didn't really play. I knew the game. I, I played with friends. I designed custom cards with some buddies um, that we would, like, draw or, like, mock up in Microsoft Paint. Um, <clears throat> that was a fun time. Uh, then I got into the games... Uh, but that was a little bit later, actually. Um, you know, and I, I don't know. It's it's so interesting thinking back to, like, how did I know about Pokemon? What was the ecosystem like? Like, kids in my class or my, my friends? Um, what, what were they... How were they participating in Pokemon and enjoying Pokemon and expressing their love of Pokemon? And what was I getting out of that? And meanwhile, what was I putting back out into that ecosystem? Like, how was I sharing that to other people? And what was I broadcasting? Just, I mean, this is, like, an interesting set of questions uh, to explore with any any fad, any, you know, um, fandom. But, like... Okay, so I my first Pokemon game was Silver. I believe that came out in fall of 1999. Um, I had a Game Boy Color. Maybe that was why I got a Game Boy Color. In fact, I think my first my first gaming console was an N64 in like for Christmas '97, and I must have gotten a Game Boy Color. Yeah, like, a couple of years after for... I think everybody kind of understood, like, oh, this is, like, great for car rides and stuff. Like, just give them a Game Boy. Um, Pokemon Silver was my first Pokemon game. It it holds a very dear place in my heart because of that. Um, that first playthrough, I... <laughs> my, um, my starter was Totodile... Uh, did not... I don't think I knew what Totodial evolved into. I was just like, hey, cute little lizard guy. I was kind of more into, like, reptiles as a kid. Um, certainly than I am now. I... Like, now I'm a big cat person. Um, definitely team mammal. But back then, I was, like, a big reptile kid. I thought there's nothing cooler than lizards and like, dinosaurs and dragons and stuff. Those are the coolest animals that there are. Um, but yeah, I, so I picked Totodile. And I remember the rival who, like, instead of it all being front-loaded with Professor Oak saying, like, welcome to the world of Pokemon. Uh, also, what's your name? What's my grand grandson's name? Um, it's the, the professor, Professor Elm, is kind of like, hey, uh, you know, what's your name? Great, okay. That's all we're, that's all the, like, awkward exposition we're gonna do, um, right now. Um, but then there's a, your rival, um, is this, this bad guy who, uh, steals, like, Professor Elm sends you on a little errand to the next town, and when you come back, you find that um, this, this, like, punk who had been hanging out by the lab, um, had stolen, 
uh, a Pokemon, one of the three starters, and surprise, surprise, the one that has the type advantage against yours um, from the lab. And a police officer interviews you about it, like, hey, have you seen this person? And gives you an opportunity to say, like, oh, you might even battle that person before you get back to the lab. You, like, you do your errand, you run back, um, on the way, you meet the punk again, and he throws down, and it's like, whoa, okay. Also, where'd this Pokemon come from? I just saw this Pokemon. I was looking at it in a Pokeball on that that countertop in the, the lab. Um, but you throw down, you defeat him, he moves on, you go back to the lab, and then, like, there's this whole, like, break-in scenario that's unfolded. Um, so the, the cop interviews you, you, uh, are prompted to provide a name for the, the suspect, which is, I hope how, not how law enforcement works. Like, hey, make up a name for this person. <laughs> uh, your call, bud. Um, but yeah, you, you give him a name and because when you meet him in that battle, his name is like three question marks and I was such a literally minded kid I I was a very I I kind of you know followed the rules was sort of serious in a way and took things very literal and so I think when I saw that I was like oh yeah I'm supposed to this isn't an opportunity to name my rival that I'll be seeing, you know, repeatedly for the rest of the game. This is where I am being tested on the name that I saw earlier. So I put in a bunch of question marks for his name. And then <laughs> every time I encountered him from then, then onward, like, I'm on my way to the Elite Four. I run into my rival. We both have fully evolved Pokemon, like, like decked out you know, six, six Pokemon teams, and he's like, once more, Andrew, uh, <laughs> like, let us test our metal, and then it, it rolls into the, the battle sequence, and it says, uh, uh, this, this guy wants to fight, uh, this guy, um, so yeah, <laughs> that was that was kind of fun. Um, but yeah, that was a terrific game. There's, you know, there's the whole... It's kind of like an evolution of Gen 1, where you have um, Johto is, is the land that you're exploring, and the eight gyms and the Elite Four, everything. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of carryover, story-wise, lore-wise, from Gen 1. Uh, Team Rocket is active in the region. They're they're still the the main, you know, antagonist force, main bad guy. Although another fun thing about Pokemon is it's kind of a kind of a story of man versus nature, man versus himself, in that like you're still trying to train and become the best you you can be, and you're like the bosses, the gym leaders are not like bad guys. You're not trying to like destroy them. You're just, like, testing yourself against them. You're defeating the gym leaders is, you know, evidence that you have grown. And I think that's, you know, there's there's some things that, 
some, you know, ingredients in the formula for Pokemon that I think have made it the smash success that it is. I believe, you might want to Google this, but I believe Pokemon is the highest grossing media franchise of all time. Um, it, it makes, if not, I believe it would be, <laughs> you know, like it makes sense. It's, you've got, uh, games, movies, TV, merchandise, any, any number of things you could like spend money on. Um, and this has all been going on for like, you know, close to 30 years at this point. Um, but yeah, so, so Pokemon, one of the things that made it a runaway success, I think the collecting aspect is, is another of these. Whatever Pokemon game you're playing, you gotta catch them all. That's like, however, or, you know, the TCG, the, the video games, you know, it's all predicated on collection. Um, but training and self-improvement, I think, is another big piece of this, especially for a, a piece of children's media. Um, you know, you're learning and growing kind of alongside your Pokemon, and you, as you defeat the gym leaders, again, they're not bad guys. They give you words of advice and wisdom. Um, you know, they certain certain gym leaders like I remember is it Karen who has the dark type uh, team in the Elite Four in, in Gen 2 Karen um, has this like really iconic quote that I remember because you know you can refight the Elite Four over and over um, in the first few generations I mean all generations you can um, I believe but in the earlier games, it's a really great way of, you know, fighting strong Pokemon um, that aren't just, like, randomly encountered wild Pokemon. Fighting strong Pokemon and gaining a lot of experience, which is, a you know, in turn, an important way, useful way to, like, train your Pokemon and level them up. Um, but, so I saw this speech over and over, and it's really made an impression with me. She says, like, strong Pokemon weak Pokemon. That is only the selfish perception of people. Um, the true, you know, the true champions try to win with their favorites. Um, and I think, I don't know, these are like, I don't know, there's nothing like tremendously profound about that, but it's kind of like, yeah, in life, you know, you can, you can try to min-max your life or you can try to like live the life that you want and be successful in that. Um, I don't know. I think there's, there's really something to that. Um, yeah, I, you know, and then I guess if you do want an, uh, an out and out antagonist force, you got Team Rocket, who are basically there to be a foil to how you should treat Pokemon. How, do you, how to treat Pokemon is kind of like how to treat also like sort of a, a stand-in, you know, for how you should treat yourself, how you should treat your friends, how you should treat 
um, anyone who is supporting you or, you know, acting on your behalf or, uh, is, you know, in any way, like, I don't want to say inferior to you, but like reports to you in some way, um, is younger than you, less experienced than you, looks up to you, um, and, like, Team Rocket, of course, repeatedly just doesn't do it right, like, wants to exploit Pokemon in some way, or to steal them, or, you know, has some, some bad takes when it comes to what Pokemon are for, how they should be how, how they should be interacted with, um, so I think that's, that's kind of, you know, an interesting, um, interesting foil, and that's as close as the games really get, at least in the early generations, to having, like, a bad guy, um, because, Oftentimes, even the bad guy, the, the villainous team, is kind of blown away by the majesty of whatever, you know, marquee legendary Pokemon the game is about. Um, so that's kind of another neat aspect that, like, you know, and, you know, you'd see this in other, like, media that was popular with children in the 90s. Like, I think about Dragon Ball Z. Um, you know, Goku's big pitch was, like, no one is beyond redemption, like, anyone can be made into an ally or a friend, um, you know, if they also choose that path. Um, you have some characters who do, um, perhaps begrudgingly, unwillingly, slowly, um, unwillingly is the wrong word, but, yeah, perhaps begrudgingly, like, uh, Vegeta, but then you have other characters like Frieza who are extended a hand and, like, try to bite the hand, um, and at least, like, in the early anime, I don't know what's going on with Frieza in the current, like, Dragon Ball Super continuity, but anyway, a little sidebar, um, but I think, you know, that's, that's kind of a staple of children's media, um, in the, in the 90s, maybe, you know, of Japanese origin, who knows, um, maybe I'm putting too many qualifiers on it, but, like, yeah, kind of an interesting, interesting angle for, for a story told to children, um, and what else, um, yeah, so, so Gen 1, I always wanted to watch the anime, and I think it ran in my locality on, it ran on TV at, like, 7.30 in the morning or something, and my school started at, like, maybe 8.30 grade school, um, and I could have, like, there was time, it was theoretically possible for me to yeah, possible for me to, um, you know, wake up in time, watch Pokemon before school, but, like, I, 
I didn't live that life then. I don't do it now. Like, I wake up when I need to wake up and not a minute earlier. And uh, that's gotten me into some trouble. (laughs) But I don't know. If I work with you, I'm sorry. But if... Yeah. um, I'll say no more on that. Um, Yeah, so, so... I, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm goofing, but, um, yeah, so, Pokemon, I just, like, kind of always wanted to watch it, but was, like, chronically, like, missing it, um, I think I would catch some episodes, like, on TV on Saturday morning cartoons, but I didn't really understand at the time that the show was, like, progressing, the story was moving on, so some of the episodes I did, I do, I remember seeing on TV were, like, filler episodes, or they had, like, Butch and Cassidy, which were the the second Team Rocket duo that was introduced, um, and I was just like, I don't, what is this? I want to see, like, the story from the beginning. I want to understand how, like, uh, you know, Ash and Misty and Brock all, all got together in the first place, um, and stuff like that, but that was not that was not in the cards, um, and I've tried, like, later on, like, as a teenager, as an adult, to, like, watch some of the early episodes of the anime, and it's just, it's so hard. It, I, I won't say that it hasn't aged well, but, like, it's, like, and this is probably the hardest thing about, like, (laughs) about enjoying, like, the Pokemon games still, there is, like, a satis- like, a strategically interesting, intellectually satisfying layer to battling on the games, um, to, like, playing the games generally, there's, like, they've done so much to kind of make them interesting, but at the same time, like, they are always and forever- and predominantly meant for children, and that is just inescapable. So, like, yeah, you're, like, I don't know, you're just gonna, you want to keep playing the games as adults, that's great, you can find something nostalgic in that, but, like, especially the more recent games, they're just easy, they're made for children. Um, so, anyway, um, what else can I say? Um, but yeah, Gen 1, uh, I kind of explored a little bit after the fact. So, I remember for, I got as a gift at one point, um, Pokemon Gold, and I knew at the time, I had a friend with, like, a link cable, and we did trade somewhat, um, in, in between silver and, I think, blue, because you could, like, you could trade Pokemon from Gen 2 back to Gen 1, as long as it was a, A, was a Pokemon that existed in Gen 1, and B, did not have any moves that didn't exist in Gen 1. Um, 
And I think this way you could get some moves onto Pokemon that learned them in Gen 2 that didn't in Gen 1, and there was no mechanism of learn of getting them to learn them in Gen 1, um, which was kind of an interesting little, little detail, a little morsel. But, um, yeah, some, some kind of interesting, like, backwards compatibility introduced in Gen 2, which was great. Loved it. Um... I, I think, like, Gen 1, so, so I got Pokemon Gold for, like, a Christmas gift or something, and I remember there was this kid in my class who I wasn't really, like, friends with, but, um, you know, it was just, like, one of the children that I interacted with frequently, um, and... I don't, I don't even know how this came about, but we agreed that I would trade him my new Pokemon Gold inbox for a new copy of Pokemon Yellow, I believe I requested. Um, and so he was like, great, because you know, I had a hard time, like, asking for things as a child, also, just, I don't think that was something that was inculcated in me, I just, like, was that way, um, but I had a hard time asking for things, so I, I wasn't gonna, like, express this desire to my parents, for whatever reason, but I, um, talk to this other kid, I was like, listen, I want Pokemon Yellow, I will trade you my Pokemon Gold for a new copy of Pokemon Yellow. Yeah, I think I had played Pokemon Yellow at a friend's house, like, his older brother had a copy that, I don't know if he had, like, given up playing or had grown out of or something, it probably wasn't, like, that much after the fact, if so, but... Um, I guess had finished and was done with or something, and I, I remember there was one time I was over at his house, and I was, like, playing Pokemon Yellow exclusively, and not really hanging out with him. Um, you know, and I think this is why, to bring it back around to the present day, I think this is why so many Millennials and, and Gen Z kids are, uh, I mean, not kids, but, like, former kids uh, are into streaming, because, like, we all grew up being around, like, friends, you know, other, other kids we hung out with, whether or not they were, like, friends or not, um, friends, older siblings, neighbors, who you'd just go over to their house, and, like, they would play video games, or you would play video games, like, somebody was just playing video games, and somebody was watching that person play video games um, a decent amount of the time. Um, so that's just a, a dynamic that is as near to us as anything. Um, but, yeah, I remember I, I was playing through Pokemon Yellow. I don't know if I, like, restarted the game. I don't know if I had permission to do that. I, I don't remember anymore. But <laughs> I was, like, playing, and he was just kind of hanging out. Like, um, 
And again, like kids, you don't have the faculties to say like, hey, let's like do something together. Like you're at my house. Um, or you also don't have the ability to just like, you know, whip out a, a crossword puzzle or take out your phone. And, you know, like that, that just wasn't like go find a book or do something else. Like, I guess I was at his house, but whatever. Um, just funny stories from those early days. Uh, but yeah, I, I got really hooked on Pokemon Yellow. I was like, holy shit, this is the anime. Because in Pokemon Yellow, if you're unfamiliar, you start with a Pikachu. Uh, you kind of miss your window to, for whatever reason, I forget why, you miss your opportunity to get one of the traditional starters. So instead you get a Pikachu. However, as you play through the game, like in the early, you know, early stages of the game, like Cerulean City, you get a Bulbasaur. Um, I think between Cerulean and, and Vermilion City, you get a, a Charmander, and then there's a, there's a Squirtle um, somebody gives you in Vermilion City. Maybe flip that in the Bulbasaur, I don't know. Um, but yeah, you get all of those starters, and I was like, wow, I am everything. I am large, I contain multitudes, I have all the starters. This is the best. Uh, the flip side of that is you, you have all the starters and a Pikachu, because what kind of monster would not have Pikachu on their team? Um, and, you know, you have two other slots at that point. And so I think I chose something like some other type. You know, you're kind of like, okay, I got a grass, a fire, a water, an electric. What else am I doing? You know, two other slots, they've got to be epic. And I feel like I, I usually filled one of them with like a Mewtwo, usually. I, I had one save file that was it from my childhood through to... I think some point later in my childhood, maybe like pre-teen years, I figured out that uh, because I spent a lot of time on the game FAQs or game facts, as I called it, uh, boards and, and walkthroughs, and I learned that there was a weird glitch that you could do. Um, if you hadn't battled certain trainers, you could you could follow this the steps of this glitch and catch Mew. Mew is actually in the game because it's Mew's coded into the game so that you can, if somebody like trades it to you or you get it through some event, which was the only like formal official way of getting Mew, um, then the game would, the cartridge would literally recognize that Pokemon and know what to do with it and connect it with the right like graphical assets and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, I made the decision to reset my file so that I could catch Mew. Don't regret it. Um, in fact, I think I've reset the file like some other time since then because after college, I lived the dream finally because I'd had Pokemon Stadium since I was a kid, but I never had one of the transfer packs. I lived the dream. I got some transfer packs because I was like, dude, I'm an adult. I have money. I can do this. Um, so I got some transfer packs and I was able to use that to like trade 
you can like send Pokemon to your, your cartridge. And I was like, heck, I can, I can just keep doing this. I can, you can like win rare Pokemon, like the fossil Pokemon or more starters in Pokemon Stadium and trade them to your, um, to your, you know, Game Boy games. Um, at some point I, I, uh, gave, um, I gave uh, Pokemon Yellow over to Allie, I think during COVID, um, and she started it over and was playing it. Um, she had a, a Butterfree, which started as a Metapod that she named Shellman, and that's uh, my best memory of that, that playthrough. Um, Yeah, it's kind of funny, like, you catch a Pokemon, especially in the early days, you catch a Pokemon, you don't necessarily know what it's going to evolve into, but you give it some name, and then it evolves, and, like, the name is no longer appropriate somehow. Um, but, you know, that's why there's the guy in Lavender Town that'll change your... The, the name Raider, for some reason, they always kind of couched changing your Pokemon's name in this, like, oh, you gotta go to this one NPC in this one town, and, like, he quote-unquote rates your name, which always consists of, yeah, that's a great name, but we could probably think of something better, right? What should we call it? And you, you give it that name, and he's like, great, much better than before, a huge improvement. Um, you could turn right around and talk to the same guy, and he's like, eh, this name could be better. What should we call it? <laughs> um... I mean, he's very tactful. I'll, I'll give him that. Um, but yeah, so the... Yeah, I... <laughs> Back to that story of trading those those two Game Boy games. Remember my mom was, like, not super happy that I did that? Maybe, I don't know, probably, like, hey, we gave you this gift. Like, maybe it's not cool to, like, swap it at school for, like some other thing. <laughs> Maybe that's not super considerate. Um, I don't know if that was the lesson or she was like, I uh, like we spent money on this. Don't like, <laughs> this is like the new game. Don't trade it for the, the one that's been out for two years already. <laughs> um, I, I don't know who knows. Um, But yeah, I, what, what else? I think this is just going to be a, a story about my early Pokemon, um, you know, fandom. Um, my early involvement with Pokemon, like Gens 1 and 2. Hopefully we can get into 3 and 4 in a future episode. I would really like to continue talking about this and like, kind of where, where it ended for me, um, for a time, and then when I picked it back up, and then it ended again, um, and then I kind of picked it up, and it ended again, and then I picked it up, and it ended again, it, I, I guess, moral of the story is, this is one I keep coming back to, but, like, certain new releases kind of turn me off, um, I, I could chronicle all of that for you at a future time, but, what else? Uh, close to home, so I'm in. I'm in closing thoughts mode. Pokemon Gen One. It was 
it was just a phenomenon. Ph phena phen phenomenon. There we go. It was a phenomenon. It was a sensation. You had to be there. It was nuts. Like, the amount of... But, like, also, as a child, like, the amount of, like, whispered lore that you would get from other kids. Like, I remember being told about, um, that there was, uh, you know, there's, there's some, some stories, some myths out there, like, you know, you go in, in Gen 1, you go to the dock where you catch the, the SS Anne, um, this, the, like, cruise ship, and you, you take it from Vermilion City, um, along the docks, there's this truck. It's the only use of that. Like, nobody would think anything of it except that it's the only, I believe, the only use of that truck uh, sprite in the entire game. Like, no other impassable objects are represented by this truck graphic. Um, and so people got it in their heads that Mew was, like, in the bed of the truck and you could, like, do something in the truck. I remember I had a dream once as a kid that while you were surfing, you could, like, cast your rod out and fish from, you know, where you were surfing. And then I woke up and tried it, and you couldn't. And that was, like, one of those crushing, like, oh, I dreamed a really cool thing. It's not real. <laughs> kind of, kind of times. Like, these days, like, as an adult, you have those dreams, and it's like, oh, that was nice. You recognize them for what they are. But as a kid, it was like, oh, fuck, that's not real? Fuck. You just kind of have to, to get over that, I guess. But, um, yeah, and then they ended up implementing that in Gen 3 uh, to be able to fish while surfing, which was, you know, that's neat. Um, even there was a mechanic around it. Well, I'll get into that, but Feebass would generate in, like, a random square, um, in this one river, and it was, like, randomized for every cartridge, and you just had to try them all <laughs> from, you know, uh, you know, the, the back of your Pokemon that was surfing, just cast your rod everywhere, um, anyway, maybe it was a few random squares. But that was kind of a neat way to take advantage of it. Um, what else? Gen 3 is the water generation. There's a lot of water in that, that there map. Um, okay, yeah, so, so what was another thing? Um, yeah, Missingno, uh, or Missingno, as I called it. Emphasis on the Sing. Um was a Pokemon that was not, like, really programmed into the game. You could access it by, like, doing some some weird thing where you, you know, it was a glitch, but you would encounter this Pokemon that's sometimes called Missing No for, like, there, there, this is not in the Pokedex. There's no number associated with this or no hex code or something. Um, and it was usually, like, a garbled, like, graphic that... Uh, a kid, one of my friends told me, looked like a totem pole. So I think when I saw Zatu in Gen 2, I was like, whoa, it's missing now. Um, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Gen 1, there's a lot I could talk about the gameplay balance of Gen 1. Um, psychic, way overpowered, um, bug, dragon. Um, I mean, dragon was good, but there were there was only one evolutionary chain, or as another kid I in my class called it, Tower of Power. Um, there was only one uh, evolutionary chain for Dragon. Bug was, like, super weak, um, which was kind of maybe by design. Like, it wasn't meant to be super strong. It was just like, yeah, these are basic Pokemon that you encounter. More mundane, like, here's a little caterpillar. You see this in your backyard. Later in the game, we're going to show you, like, a, a CGI Pokemon and, like, a... a mythical serpent you know like um that's that's late game stuff this is early game so maybe they were meant to be kind of starter pokemon that you would grow out of i'm not sure but bug was super weak there were there was way too much poison all all rock pokemon were either ground or in the lone exception of aerodactyl was rock flying um there was just a lot of, like, weird gameplay balance going on. And maybe that was, like, okay. Maybe, you know, it's kind of like the butterfly effect. You can't can't get in a time machine and, like, change stuff and expect it all to work out the same. So maybe that was, you know, also crucial to the success of Pokemon in some way. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, kind of, kind of some fun stuff. Uh, their Gen 2 fixed a lot of the game balance issues and, you know, introduced two whole new types, Steel and Dark, which was really neat um, to kind of balance out Psychic. Anyway, I'm not talking about game balance. That's for another podcast, but... And I could talk at length about that. Um, but... Yeah, these are these are just like memories of early Pokemon. Um, yeah, what else can I share? Yeah, just the lore. I remember like around the time Gen Two was announced, or like they were teasing some stuff from Gen Two. Uh, people were talking about Pika Blue, uh, which was like the blue Pikachu. Now we know it is Meryl, which does not really look like Pikachu. It's just like another cute like kind of face of the of the generation very merchandisable <laughs> um but i remember thinking pika blue had some some connection to like you know red yellow and blue the the original red blue and yellow i suppose the original u.s releases for gen one um and that you know pikachu was pika yellow and pika blue was like something else and then that means there must be pika red right like pattern completion um i remember i drew like little little like doodles and cartoons with pokemon as characters and before i was like really into the lore and it was just kind of an infectious like fan thing that i i got from contact with other kids or started playing the before I was like really aware of what the story was I remember um hearing about Team Rocket and thinking they were like 
and and about a Pokemon movie coming out and thinking it was live action and Team Rocket were like the the like you know eighties nineties movie trope bully kid um, group um, at the school. Uh, and I thought it was all about, like, kids playing Pokemon trading cards, because that was how I played before I played the Game Boy games. Um, I remember, yeah, drawing little comics and doodles and, like, making the Pokemon speaking characters. Um, because I just didn't, I didn't realize they were, like, animals and not talking animals. Um, so many other, like, kids' media you know, animal characters talk. That's, you know, they're anthropomorphic or they talk or, you know, they're, you know, like you have like Hello Kitty, Little Bear. Um, I don't know. I was just thinking about like, like Arthur, like stuff that I watched on like Cartoon Network and PBS at the time. Um, yeah, really, really wild times. Um, to be kind of there at the beginning and to not have a lot of information, not have a lot of like real agency and like how you're spending your money on stuff to have to like kind of beg your parents for like a pack of, of cards or something. I remember I got that starter set from the Pokemon TCG that came with a foil Machamp. Still have that. Um, still have those decks, the boxes all together still. Um, I had that book that was like the kind of encyclopedia of all the Pokemon and they released a new version that was updated with Mew and Togepi at some point in the run of the anime. Um, kind of a cash grab, but you know, whatever. And then they, they came out with a Gen 2 version as well. Um, Gen 2, I really latched onto. I really like the like kind of mythology inspired um, and folklore kind of inspired, you know, designs for the Pokemon. I think it really, Pokemon really found its footing there. Um, but yeah, so much more I could say. Probably will share more anecdotes, um, as I, I record more episodes of this particular topic. Um, but as you can see, I could talk for a long time about uh, about, like, what Pokemon was to me as a little kid, um, so, anyway, more coming, but I'll wrap it up there, uh, thank you once again to Scott Suter for the intro and outro music, uh, find him on SoundCloud, find him on Instagram, Instagram, uh, Copenhagen Cool Ranch, with underscores, um, check, uh, find us online, uh, me, <laughs> I guess, online, um, the podcast online at www, that's World Wide Web, um, another 90s throwback, uh, find us online at, uh, letmeexplainyouathing.com, uh, you can request topics, uh, at that link, so, so give that a thought, um, I mean, you can also request them to me any other way that you might have my contact, but, you know, that's, you know, the, the general one for the listeners. Um, yeah, I think, uh, that'll do it for right now. Thank you guys all so much for listening. Love you all. 
Um, take care. And uh, if you're falling asleep, sweet dreams. Bye-bye, guys. Mm-hmm.